Hey, you, dare to think. Y'all ready to get funky? Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Warning, the show might trigger you. You don't love the gospel. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. Back for his second time in the student union. A college student all the way down in Texas at Texas Christian University sophomore Nathan Koenig. How are you doing today, Nathan? Yes, sir. I'm doing all right. Just hanging out in a study room at TCU right now. A study room? Much. And I'm, I'm keeping you from studying. Don't No, don't... I just reserved it. I, I've right. been studying before. I'm okay. taking a break now. I don't want your mom getting mad at me that I'm keeping her son from studying. I'm sure they're paying good money for you to go there. <laughs> oh, yes, you're definitely right about that. <laughs> and how. And so you're a sophomore, and what is it that you're studying there at so I'm studying business. Actually, I'm finishing up the business application for the business school, but I'm planning on doing accounting, being okay. an accounting major. And you yep. are, I would be remiss if I didn't point out, you are from the neighboring state to the east, Louisiana. Yep. Proud of our LSU Tigers. <laughs> what ah, happened there in you go. You had to mention that. Most people don't know I'm a Clemson Tiger fan, but that's fine. I like you anyways. Yeah. And uh, so now you, we talked back... Um, six, seven months ago. And what did we talk about that time? So we talked about entering college, like as a first year student, getting involved with a church quickly. That yeah, was absolutely. pretty much what we talked about. And speaking yep. of which, tell us uh, what church it is that you go to give a little shout out to your people there in, in uh, Fort Worth. Yeah, I go to St. Paul Lutheran in Fort Worth when I'm at TCU. Great church. If you're ever in Fort Worth, you should come on by. Excellent. Now today we've been... Uh, I enjoyed having you on the last time so much that I thought, you know what, we'll have to check in with you. Maybe once a semester we'll check check in with you down the line here. And I told you to start thinking about some other topics um, down the line in the future. And you came up with one. We were kind of going back and forth a little bit the other day with some texts and came up with the idea of talking about what is the predominant religi- religiosity or religion on campus today. And... Uh, and it raises the question, which is the, the theme here for us today, which is uh, what is the predominant religion on a typical college campus today? Before we answer it, why did you come up with this topic? What, what's, what's the interest there? Well, there's both a personal reason, but just for general college students, I think it's important for young Christians to know what are the beliefs of their peers. As sure. if you don't know, then you're going to be walking into college blindly and being a blind man is not a good idea on a college campus. You're showing a lot of different things. Especially if you have a chance to not be blind. Exactly. Yes, too. So that's why I was hoping I could talk a little bit about this and just inform other people, especially first year college students in the future, going into college, knowing what they might encounter in their peers. But personally too, I've had an interest in this topic. I've looked into it the last couple of years. I've read some articles and listened to some podcasts 
then I've also had conversations with other people, including my pastor over here, Pastor Messman at St. Paul. So, yeah, just both personal interest and then for people listening, hopefully to learn a little something. Okay. And, and you know, just as by way of a little background, um, you know, we usually talk about the infamous, most people have heard about this, the nun category. Um, what is it that the uh, the surveys usually tell us? I know you're familiar with this category about what, you know, like especially college freshmen, there's several studies that are out there that focus on the incoming religious views and whatnot of the, the typical college freshman. What do we kind of learn um, about this nun category and how has it changed? And what is the what is this nun category? Yeah, so the nuns are rapidly increasing among freshman college students. There's a Scientific American article I read recently that found between 1986 and 2016, the religious nuns category tripled from 10% to 31%. So over over that short period of time, you had three times as many people saying that they're not religious or religiously unaffiliated. That's what that category means. And and that's just... um, um... It's always stunning to me. I've used that statistic before as well. It's just stunning how in less than one generation we could lose 20% of our kind of a religious background when we, you know, we can debate whether or not America was ever a quote-unquote Christian country. But at the very least, I think most of us would probably go, well, what do you mean what's the most predominant religion, isn't it? Christianity and here you're isn't this didn't you say Pastor Zill this this guy's at TCU, Texas Christian University? Uh why is he even wondered about this if he's at TCU? Um Dang, all places. Yeah. So uh anyways, so um I mean if thirty one percent of all of our young people show up to college and say that they are not religious or spiritual that only leaves us with 70% that say they are. Mm-hmm. But I think we're maybe even open to uh, hear of, uh, you know, what? Let, let's just get it out. What? It, let's get it out on the table. What is it that you think, you know, that you posit um, is Christianity the, the biggest uh, influence among our college students today, do you think? Or is there something else going on here? So, unfortunately, I'd have to say no. Even though Christianity, most people might say they're Christians and they're coming into college, that's really not the dominant religion. The dominant religion is something called moralistic therapeutic deism. Oh, my gosh. There you go, throwing big words at us. <laughs> no, it's but not that, that big. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah, I'll call it, is, it MTD from MTD, now, now it sounds like a disease. But as we kind oh. of talk about it, it kind of is. Yeah, but uh, so what is? Let's walk through this. Um, now we're just positing this. We don't really know for sure, um, but I, I will point out that I, I remember noticing, noting once about five years ago that spirituality among young people is said to have be, is said to being on the rise. More people say that they're spiritual than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, most young people won't say, oh, I don't have anything. There's nothing spiritual about me. I mean, of course I'm spiritual, but they don't like to say that they're religious. They don't like to point out that they actually have um, some denominational loyalty or affinity or a specific group of tenets um, or creed that they believe and confess. Um, but they certainly don't tend to like to say that they're not spiritual. Everybody says they're spiritual, 
But the problem is these categories don't mean what we think they mean. And I think that kind of yes. sets the table a little bit here for a moralistic therapeutic deism. But uh, why don't you tell us a little, we'll call it folks MTD. All right. It's not a disease or is it, but we're going to, we're going to use that just cause it's a mouthful and we'll even um, Nathan and I'll probably catch ourselves tripping over our own tongues with it. But what's the origin of this term and why don't we walk through and define this a little bit, but where, where did you come up with, where did this term come from? Yeah, so doing some research on the topic, this actually came from a non-Christian source. It came from a 2005 book made by some, written by some UNC researchers. UNC at, meaning? University of North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, so they looked into the religious lives of American teenagers. So even right. though it was back in 2005, the findings are still relevant for today. Sure. They, uh, they had some interesting findings and even though ironically you were how old term. in 2005 i was five years old that was the year <laughs> katrina hit actually okay in new orleans yeah there I you was go a little guy then wow you were some of your earliest memories were of katrina then weren't they you're not kidding yeah i remember definitely remember some stuff about that yeah wow so anyways i'm just pointing out to some of our older listeners of how really young you you are so you, you university I of, old though, yeah, I, I know um university of north carolina researcher 2005 and uh so what's the moralistic part what is what does that mean how would you describe so, that i would describe the moralistic aspect is that god wants people to be good and nice to each other now most people would say that there's like morality exists right but most people reduce morality just to being good and nice to each other right. so that you get along with other people pretty much. And that, and people do that, like to reduce Christianity to, especially those that don't go or they don't go very often. Well, I don't know why I need to go. I'm, I'm basically a good person, right? Exactly. I mean, heck even a lot of Christian churches teach that. I would sure. argue. Yeah, that's much. true too. That's very sad. Or people that go to church once or twice a year, well, don't get me wrong. I want my kids to grow up and have a good moral background, as if that's what Christianity is, is just a set of laws, which is frankly what the devil wants us to think that's all that Christianity is. It's exactly. Just a set this of is laws. just a devil behind, behind all this, honestly. But, yeah, but that doesn't so, mean that God doesn't want us to live moral and clean lives, all right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm not denying that. Being moral is important, but... What's considered moral in the moralistic sense is not what the morality of the Bible is. I can definitely tell you that if you talk to most college students, the what they believe is not the morality of the Bible. And so sadly, what most people that have a limited understanding of Christianity, and let's face it, um, as we would probably both argue, I mean, I would argue that we're becoming an increasingly post-Christian culture and we're just going to have to deal with that and do the best we can to confess the faith within it. But the bottom, the bottom line is that uh, people, when they remember some very basic things about Christianity, they don't tend to remember, oh, it's about Jesus or, yeah, oh, it's dying about his dying you. on the cross for our sins. Of course, the devil doesn't want us to remember that. He doesn't mind us kind of sliding into this moralism. Um, mm -hmm. that it's all about a bunch of do's and don'ts and being a better person. And you don't even really need God for that, right? I mean, that exactly, would be the temptation. Yeah. 
if you're a good person, if you're good, why, why do you need a savior? So moralistic. All right. I think yes. we got that. What's, what's the T in MTD? So the T is therapeutic, right? So this basically means God wants us to be happy or feel good about ourselves. This is probably like the central tenet, I'd say, of moralistic therapeutic deism or just the religious beliefs worldview of most college students pretty much can be boiled down just to the T, if I had to say, if you're going to reduce it to the most basic level. And doesn't that, you know, um, the idea of God wanting us to be happy, to feel good, you know, when we think about kind of boiling things down to kind of a generic American civil religion, you know, Mm -hmm. we think about, we we do have the idea, the pursuit of happiness. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, while we might strive for that in in one kingdom, God's goal is not to make sure that we're happy all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in the Bible about suffering, you know, take up your cross. Sure. Follow and Jesus. and the, de- the devil wants us to uh, to think that if some if suffering is happening, that's bad. Well, you mm-hmm. know, not necessarily. Jesus suffered and died, and that was not good, but it was good. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Satan is always trying to get us to take our eyes off the prize and to focus on the things that uh, that kind of avert our eyes from the suffering and death of our Lord. And so, but therapy, you know, when you think about it. I've been really blown away by the fact that um, the use of therapy, therapists are on the rise, you know, more and more, you're on a college campus. Mm -hmm. I'm always blown away by the level, the level of young people, um, college age, that 40 to 50% of all college age students um, are diagnosed as being, as having some sort of anxiety. I believe it. Yeah, that it's definitely there, and it's rapidly increased in the last few decades, especially the last decade or so. It's it's gone up a lot. But you know, on a college campus now, you're at TCU. It might be a little different there. But the typical, um, if you're going to go down to the University of New Mexico, where I live in Albuquerque, you can go get treatment for being anxious. But the treatment isn't to hear about. God's grace and hear his law and his gospel and to receive his word, but you can go to the student health center and you can get all the different types of therapies that you want. And in a way, what we're almost kind of arguing here is there's almost a spiritual component to a lot of what passes as as therapy in terms of what's happening is, is while many of our college campuses, it's harder and harder, they're doing more to try to keep our young people from hearing the gospel. They don't mind them turning to other alternatives to hearing the gospel. And so there is a danger here, I think, of turning, not that I'm saying therapy is all bad, but of letting that replace uh, the one thing needful that we only gain when when we go to church in the divine service. Mm-hmm. Definitely having a therapist is more palpable to most people. Like it's much more preferable than saying, I need a savior, you know? Sure. There's, there's definitely a big difference between if someone who's a therapist just listening to your problems and maybe saying, like, oh, maybe you should do this. But yeah, I mean, if, then, you, go, if so. you go to your student health center and say, you know what, I'm afraid I'm going to hell. Is there therapy for this? Therapy isn't going to mean squat if you're convinced that you're going to hell for all the right biblical reasons because your sin is weighing down on your conscience. Conscience, yeah. You need a savior. So moralistic, therapeutic, and what's the D? 
And then D is deism. People have probably heard of this term before, sure. you know, in in the past with the Enlightenment, all that. But it's it's definitely still around. So deism means that there's there's a God, right? He he created everything, but he's really not involved with the world. But kind of going back to the therapeutic part. But when we do have problems, we can talk to him. Though we can pray to him. She's kind of like a consultant in a way. So yeah, he he's there. He made everything, but he's like off Alexa. pretty much. Hey God, yeah. and then like he's there when you need him. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he doesn't make that noise. Sure. No, right. He doesn't make a noise. But uh, any other sources that you've run across that kind of uh, make this point that you're trying to to lay out here a little bit? Yeah, go, going back to the book, the 2005 book I was ta- talking about. There's a quote that just hammers this down. Okay. What appears to be the actual dominant religion among U.S. teenagers is essentially about feeling good, happy, secure, at peace. It's about attaining subjective well-being, being able to resolve problems, and getting along amiably with others. Okay. That just says it all. <laughs> like okay. that just says it all to me. Sure. And that's a book from 2005, but that just like hits the, ha- the nail on the head for most of the people that I know that I talk to at college and probably just most college students in general, I'd say. But you know, when you think about this, this isn't really an organized religion. You can't go thumbing through um, the yellow pages or, you know, looking for the local MTD. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's not an organized religion, right? No, you're right. That's the interesting thing about all this is that moralistic therapeutic deism isn't a religion an organized religion it's more of a predominant worldview or you could even call it a civil religion sure. i like to think of it as the civil religion among young adults in 21st century america sure. like that's what it is at the most basic level so it's kind of an it's an undercurrent that flows through all of our our religions and probably affects all of them to one degree or another even at tcu and mm-hmm. even in pop culture, can you think of any um, kind of pop culture things or things we might see on TV or whatever where you, know, you got any kind of examples of how this can kind of uh, kind of prop itself up and we kind of go, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> oh, definitely. I personally do not watch this show. I do not think it's good, but a lot of people do. It's called The Bachelorette. So uh, you know what, tw- Nathan? It's all right. You can admit that you enjoy it. <laughs> no, I don't. I, actually, I make fun of other people that do watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette. So but, The Bachelorette. Yeah. Why does what, what? How does this show up in there? Yeah. So back in 2019, the the lady who's like the Bachelorette, the main contestant, was having a discussion with one of the guys on the show that she was maybe looking to you know to have as her winner, pretty much, and sure. she told the guy that that she's fornicated, but Jesus loves her anyway. Cause the guy was talking about like, Oh, you know, having relations out of marriage, that's like a no deal breaker for me. But she's like, Oh, well I'm a Christian too. And I've done that, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It, it's not MTD is not a religion about suffering, sin, forgiveness, redemption. It's none of that. It's just about feeling good. And this, if this example doesn't show that, then I don't know what does. Well, she's kind of missed the, the moralism, the moral part of it, which kind of under, demonstrates that um, moralism and being moral are two different things. 
And of yes. course, we don't want to, you know, cast judgment on her as an, an individual necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. However, it, it kind of shows where this is sliding us, kind of where we're heading, where, you know, back when I was growing up, and you might surprise you, I went to college. I can't imagine <laughs> somebody 30 years ago saying something like that as if I have no reason to not be proud of the fact that I've had sex outside of marriage and still consider myself a Christian. Not that you can't be a Christian and have, but she didn't view it as sinful. She didn't view yeah, it as, no, like, as a it, matter it definitely... of shame or guilt or something that she needed. She didn't really come across like she needed a savior. And that really mm-hmm. is, is kind of the point here of where this is leading. Yeah. I, I just said the example, not as much to say like how unexpected this is or anything. I like, know that's, it's definitely not unexpected. It's more so just showing like that's, th- this definitely exists and we just need to understand that as a, as a church sure. and as Christians. So what do you think are some of the implications of what this means for us going forward? Cause chances are, this is only going to get worse and be more prevalent. It would seem to me that one of them is, we need to not be blind to this and we need to see it even within ourselves um, mm-hmm. and understand that we're going to face this when we, when we walk onto the college campus or really be anywhere in the, um, in the academic area, the, the academic square or the public arena. But what are some other implications that you see for this, for all of us, especially college students going forward? Mm-hmm. When I was talking with my pastor a while back, he told me something that I found really interesting. He said with, MTD being other pe- the people's religion, young Americans are more are going to be more inoculated to the mm. gospel, to the to Christianity. So if you've heard of that term, you know, might think of like a virus, right? It's sure. inoculated against whatever, like a cure or something, and you're you're just not just as re- your body isn't as receptive to fighting against like something, you know. So that's just kind of how it is with moralistic therapeutic deism it makes less people makes people less receptive to the gospel than probably the typical person who hasn't ever heard the gospel or has never been exposed to it when you're just a like nominal kind of cultural spiritual religious person you've heard of jesus but he's just a a part of my life He, he needs to fit in with my life not my life fitting in with his well never and never mind that but it doesn't matter you can be moral. I mean, you can be good and nice to each other and not be a Christian. You can feel happy and good about yourself and care about others and not be a Christian. And mm-hmm. you can, if you're a deist, you don't necessarily believe the God of the Bible either. In other words, you don't need to have a gospel-centered, Christ-centered, you know, the, the Reformation principles of Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. None of that really matters because you can get it from whatever happens to be on the menu or in essence, whatever works. Definitely. That's, that's right on. Young adults don't believe they need a savior with moralistic therapeutic deism. That's why I'm not really for it, nor should any Christian be. And we need to see it even within our own lives too, myself included. When we start seeing this creep out, we need to fight against it pray that the Lord would help us fight against it. Sure. Well, we just got about a minute or so here left, but uh, I want to thank you for putting this in front of us. I haven't, we've never had somebody on to talk about MTD, moralistic therapeutic (laughs) deism, Um, but maybe we'll have to do that a little bit more. So kudos for you for wanting to talk about this, even though it's a mouthful. 
Um, oh, you're welcome. But, uh, any concluding thoughts that you'd like to just kind of leave leave our listeners in passing as they consider the implications of what it means for us? Mm-hmm. I just want to pose a question to the listeners. When you encounter a problem you can't solve, is it worth putting your faith in a God who's just a therapist or a consultant? I can tell you the answer is no, especially for myself. I know sure. I'm a sinner. I sin every day. I need a savior. I don't, I don't need a, a consultant. I don't need Jesus as a therapist. I need Jesus as my savior. Beautifully said. So, yeah. But that's going to become, you know, one of the most important things to remember is that as we continue on in, in cultural and uh, um, kind of religious decline in our country, these things are going to become more apparent at the same time that it's kind of scary to ponder. It also means we have opportunities to talk to our fellow students, talk to our fellow our, our friends and neighbors and our vocations about who Jesus is, but we should never shy about not only who he is, but what he came to do and what it means for us. Thank you for keeping yes, that in, for, in, in front of us, Nathan, and God continue to bless uh, your studies. Take care, Nathan. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.